A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, in case you didn't get a chance to catch this last week, here is how to ignite a fire. And so that's what our journey of Lent is all about this year. We want the Holy Spirit to set our hearts on fire. Lent's the time for that. We want to experience real change in our lives. We want to experience conversion. Now, the readings beginning today and for the next three weeks are all great stories of conversion. And today we have the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus had made it to the very top of first century Jewish religious society. He was one of 70 members of the ruling council, which was called the Sanhedrin. He was very wealthy, and he probably was also from a prominent family. So by associating with this Jesus character, he had a lot to lose. That's probably why he comes to Jesus at night, under the cover of darkness, because 
He didn't really want to be seen. But Jesus calls him into the light. Jesus calls him to a conversion, to start over and says, you must be born again. Now, conversion usually doesn't happen like a light switch, you know, just on, done. I think conversion maybe is a little more like learning to walk when you're a toddler. First couple of little steps that you take, boy, mom and dad, boy, they are right there ready to catch you. But as you get a little bit stronger, they, they sort of, they're right there still, but they, they kind of back up and they want you to go a little bit further and take a few more steps. And this is what Jesus does with us, right? He, he calls us to, to follow him and to come after him, and he's right there. He's always got his eyes on us. He's always right there for us, and when we fall, he picks us up, but he calls us to step further and further and further into the light, in John's Gospels, Gospel, one of the theme is, themes is that the darkness is growing. By the time you get to chapter 7, there's this fierce debate about who Jesus is. Is he the Christ? Is he a prophet? Is he a false prophet? And most of the religious leaders had already made up their mind about him. They wanted to arrest him, try him, kill him. But it's this point that Nicodemus takes a second timid step towards Jesus. It says this, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, the Sanhedrin, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Now, it's a bit half-hearted. I mean, he's using sort of a legal defense of Jesus, but nonetheless, he points out that he should at least get a fair hearing. And what does he get? He gets insulted and threatened. They say to him, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet comes from Galilee, which actually wasn't true. Jonah had come from the Galilee region. But we got to read between the lines. What they're really saying here is, you stupid hilljack from Podunk, Galilee, really? Are you one of his followers? Fear douses courage, obviously, right? But fear of what? Usually, it's a fear of what we will lose. Nicodemus is being drawn towards Jesus, but this is a man who has a lot to lose. What are you afraid of losing? What is it that if Jesus said to you, you need to let go of that in order to step closer to me, you aren't sure you could do it, or if you want to do it? is it? What is it that's got such a hold on you? Maybe you're like Nicodemus. Maybe it's your place in your social circle, in your work. You're afraid of the ridicule and the insults. You uneducated hilljack, how do you believe those myths about God? You're a hater. You're a bigot. Maybe someday it'll be more than the insults and the threats. It'll be the loss of our freedom or our property or even our lives as it is for many Christians around the world today. Our, our culture wants to say it's so tolerant, but it is so intolerant. So it takes an enormous amount of courage to speak the truth in love. It takes a lot of courage to follow Jesus today. It also takes a lot of courage to step out of that dark place in your life. An addiction a secret sin, you are so ashamed of it, you are so scared, 
Because you're not really sure that if you would expose this, you don't know what the fallout might be. You're not even really sure if, can I really even live without that? And yet you know. You know deep down you need to deal with this. You need to come clean. It takes a lot of courage to come to confession or to confide in a trusted friend. And since we're taking a generosity journey together, you know, it doesn't take a lot of courage to give what you feel like you can afford or your leftovers. It takes a lot of courage to really and truly sacrifice. No doubt, greed keeps us from being generous people, of course. But maybe more often than that, fear keeps us from being generous people. How am I going to do that? Is it going to be enough? Is God really going to provide for me if I really stretch to that place? Those of us who are adults, of course, especially in this community, we really remember, I'm sure, the 2008 recession that we went through. Here's a great story, and I'd like you to watch this.
So there's always something that we're afraid of losing, right? Think now, I mean, of course, the big news is the coronavirus. What are we scared of losing? Well, of course, life. But there's also another concern about what's going to happen to the economy. How does the Holy Spirit ignite this courage in us? Well, as we begin to take a look at what we're risking or or what we feel like we're going to lose, he very simply points us to what we gain. St. Paul was a guy a lot like Nicodemus. He too had risen to the very top of that first century Jewish society. And then he met Jesus. And everything changed for him. And he reflects on that when he writes these words to the Philippians. Whatever gain I had in my former life, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Whatever it is that you are afraid of losing, Paul says it's a bunch of rubbish. Now, the Greek word there is an interesting word. It's skubala. Everybody say skubala with me. Ready? Skubala. You know what skubala really is? It is what your doggy leaves in your yard for you to clean up. Really, it is. Everything becomes skubala if you really know what you're gaining in Christ. So Holy Week comes along, and the Sanhedrin is meeting to condemn Jesus to death. Nicodemus was either absent or shouted down, or maybe he was cowardly silent. We don't know. John doesn't say. But then, then he sees what Jesus loses. He watches Jesus die. And it's at that moment, ironically, that this ignites the courage inside of Nicodemus. Paul would write it this way to the Corinthians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Think about what Jesus loses. Think about the courage. He has heaven. He has all the comfort and the security and the riches of heaven, but knowingly and willingly he leaves all of that behind and he comes down to suffer death on that cross and loses his life, but all for what he will gain. All for what he will gain, Nicodemus and you and me. See, Jesus wouldn't risk losing us. He did not want heaven to exist without us being there. And that's what Nicodemus sees. As he watches Jesus die, he sees what he's gaining and everything else becomes a bunch of scubula. The real moment comes when he takes that final step of courage to stand with Jesus in the light. Once Jesus dies, he and another friend, also very, very scared, named Joseph, do this. And we're told about it in John chapter 19. Joseph, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had earlier come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, 
and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Openly, publicly, in the darkest of days, Nicodemus and Joseph both step into the light and they step towards Jesus. And did you notice that as it ignites their courage, it also ignited their generosity? I mean, again, what are our riches and our earthly possessions compared to Jesus? 75 pounds of expensive spices and oils. It must have cost Nicodemus a fortune. But he wanted to give an extravagant, lavish burial fit for a king. For his king. And we know from the other Gospels, it was Joseph who gave that new tomb to Jesus. Of course, Jesus didn't need it very long, did he? Only three days. But it's because of that that you will not need your tomb. I mean, did you get that? The grave and the fear of death just became a bunch of scubula. That's what we gain. We gain Jesus, our God, the resurrection. Life everlasting. Let that ignite your courage. Please be seated. So over the next few weeks, as we're going to be getting ready to make our Ignite commitments at the end of this month, March 28th, 29th, we're going to take just a few minutes each week before the offering just to talk a little bit about what we're doing and how we're going to do it together. Hopefully by now you've had a chance to look through and read through the Generosity Journey booklet that you received in your packet. If you need another one, they're available at our Ignite table. And by the way, that's a great place to go if you've got any questions. You can, of course, always talk to me and Pastor Davis or any of your staff uh, as well. Today I want to just talk with you a little bit about how we are now moving at Trinity to one fund. And we're going to start this in the month of April with our giving. The way it is right now, though, is that we are asked at Trinity to give to several different funds. First of all, we have our general fund, if you think of it, that as this bucket here, and that goes to make things happen here every day. And then we're asked to give to this bucket, which is our building fund that pays our mortgage. And then on top of that, we also have several other different collections and door offerings throughout the year uh, that we're asked to give to. As we now move to this one fund, what I would ask of you is two things. First of all, if you would take these buckets that you are currently giving to, and if you would put, combine them and put them all into this one Ignite bucket so we can continue to do what we're already doing for the Lord here at Trinity. But here's the second thing. If you would begin praying, taking it to prayer, and, and talking with your, your loved ones about stretching and growing your generosity, because in this Ignite bucket is also the five goals we have for Ignite. And all five of these goals are intended to invest in our future. We want to make a greater impact in this new decade for the Lord and reach our community. So I ask again that you would prayerfully think about that and, and ask the Lord how you can stretch and grow in your generosity. And then from this point going forward, we will resource everything God is doing and everything God will do from this one Ignite bucket. From this bucket, then we'll fill all of those buckets. Now last week, if you were here, Ron Stallman shared with us how 80 of our families have already stepped forward in this Ignite journey, 
and made an early commitment uh, to the Lord. And he shared several very encouraging things with us about what is happening and how God's already growing generosity among us here at Trinity. I want to share with you one more this morning. Of those 80 families, 95% of them indicated they are going to increase their generosity with their Ignite commitment. 95%. So our goal with Ignite ultimately is that we all participate, right? That we all want to grow in, in generosity. And, and so our goal is that 100% of our members, every one of us, every one of you and me, all of us, that we would all make an Ignite commitment. Now imagine this, if that trend would continue, we all make an Ignite commitment and 95% of us are able to increase our generosity, <laughs> I mean, think of what we're going to be able to do together. Think of how we're going to be able to resource what God is already doing and what God will do through us. But you see, that's the beauty of this thing called One Fund and, and the reason why we are going towards it. You will know that everything you give to the Lord at Trinity is going to everything God is doing at Trinity and through Trinity. Now, let me cover just a few other real practical things. First of all, if you are an online giver, or maybe you want to switch to giving online, as you make your commitment, if you would please go to your account or set up your account and select that you want your giving to now go to this Ignite One Fund. If you're a person who gives through envelopes, not long ago we received a batch of envelopes. Um, you are about ready to receive a new set of envelopes that will start with April that will include Ignite envelopes, and they can replace then the old envelopes. And the third thing, you may have noticed this already, is that in the pew there are several new cards. And if you want to just take a look at those, I just want to walk you through them real quick. First one, the red one, I'm going in the back first, uh, is a kid's card. On the front of that is just all kinds of encouragement and some directions and things that will really help parents. And if you notice, if you flip it over on the back side, it's blank. And that's very purposeful. Moms and dads, if you would have your kiddos use this for all their doodling and their budding artistry or big kids too, if that's what you need to do, uh, that's fine. But if you'd use this uh, for the scribbles and such things. Then there's this yellow prayer card if you want to make a prayer request or if you want to get a message to us. The third one, then, is a giving. Actually, it's an envelope. If you want to place your offering in there, you notice that it's an Ignite envelope, one fund envelope now. And one of the cool things about this is on the right side, if you might notice, it says, I or we gave electronically. So if that's what you do, this is a way for you to participate in the collection. Because the collection is a ritual act of worship. We are giving this and offering this to the Lord. And again, those of you with kiddos, I think this is really, really important because if you're an electronic giver, they never see you giving, so how are they going to learn how to give? And what you can do is you'll fill this out and then have, have them fill it out. They love doing stuff like that. And then have them check, I, we gave electronically, and you can teach them, oh, we do give to the Lord. You can explain bank transfers to them some other time, how that all works. But, but you can, they can put this then in the collection as we do it. And then the last one is this green welcome card. This is to mark our presence and our attendance among us. Whether you're a guest or a member, if you look on the back side, you can write your name down and check that off. And if you would like us to contact you, uh, wherever, you can write anywhere on this card, put down your information, how's the best way to get a hold of you. So all of that being said, let's gather our gifts for the Lord. And if you would, please fill out a welcome card.